0: Well, thanks to everybody who's uh, got up and sung or spoken or uh, taken part in whatever way so far in the service today. And I'm not sure I'm going to say anything that you haven't heard already in the service um, in the next few minutes. A few weeks ago, when Helen uh, got up and told us about today, she said, wear your cultural attire. And so you can see that I've put a lot of effort into my English cultural attire. Um, somebody said to me, maybe you could get dressed as a, as a football hooligan. Um, I was going to let them off because they were actually English, the person who said that to me, so, uh, or born in England at any rate. Somebody else said, uh, maybe you could come as a, as a London city gentleman. And Mark, I am so disappointed that you're not wearing this attire today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jason said to me, Maybe you could come as one of the, uh, one of the lords from the, uh, from the coronation, wearing the ermine cloak. But I, I haven't got an ermine cloak, so I was, I was a bit lost there. And uh, Eleanor and I decided that the most English things we could think of were cricket and Morris dancing. So like, you might not know what either of these things are. If you don't know what cricket is or Morris dancing, I can explain later. I haven't got time now. It's very long and very complicated. <laughs> and, and if you don't know the difference between cricket and Morris dancing, I can explain that later as well. <laughs> OK. So I don't have, um, well, I used to have full cricket attire. I don't anymore. And I certainly have never owned the Morris dancing gear. We've, we've seen a lot this morning. Um, about our cultures, about the different cultures that are represented here. And culture, if you go to the dictionary definition, uh, it kind of, one of the dictionary definitions of culture is the customs, beliefs, art, music, way of life, and social organization of a particular country or group. And we've seen this morning, haven't we, that we've got loads and loads of different cultures represented in our church family. It's amazing, isn't it? And I think we've seen as well this morning through how people have uh, dressed, maybe with the exception of me, how people have uh, come and sung, how people have celebrated their faith in Jesus, that we draw so much of our, na- of our own identity from the cultures, from the, from the nationalities that we have, from the groups of people that we identify with. But I don't know if you noticed, as Chimza was reading those verses to us, that even though we are many different cultures, we are many different cultures represented here, Paul puts us into two groups. He says, therefore remember that at one time, you Gentiles, those of you who are not Jewish, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. He puts us, even though we are many different nationalities, identities, cultures, whatever we want to call it, he puts us into these two groups. He says, you're Gentile, or you're Jew. You are the circumcision or the uncircumcision. And for Paul here, he's he's a Jewish person writing to a group of Gentiles. And he says, therefore, remember at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision. And actually, if you kind of look at what he's writing there, he's been quite derogatory to these Gentiles by calling them the uncircumcision. It's kind of a real first century Jewish idiom for being you other people. And it's kind of, it's actually quite derogatory to these people as he's writing. He's trying to emphasize this division that he then goes on to write about. You were, you were divided, separated from Christ, he says, alienated from the Commonwealth of Israel. And so how was it that Paul says these two groups of people that he identifies were divided. He says, spiritually, by the law of commandments and the covenants of promise. A covenant is a, is a kind of word that we use um, and we kind of maybe sometimes gloss over it, don't we? And sometimes don't really understand what it is, but it's an oath bound promise. As we've, uh, if you've been with us um, recently, as we've been going through Genesis. You might have seen some of these covenants, these oath-bound promises that God makes to bless the world through the family of Israel's forefather, Abraham. Eventually, then, later on in the Old Testament, uh, God makes one of these promises to to bring and raise up an eternal king through the line of Israel's most famous human king, David. And eventually, he says he's going to write the law on the very hearts of the people of Israel in righteousness, and in holiness. And so Paul says the Jews and the Gentiles are divided spiritually. And he also shows that there's a division, a physical division in the temple, in the place where they go to worship God as well, where the Israelites, the Jews, would have gone to worship God. Physically in the temple, the uh, the Gentiles were only allowed into the court of the Gentiles. They weren't allowed into the closer places to the center of the temple where the Jews would have gone to worship as well. And so the upshot of all this is that Paul says there is a division between the two and that the Gentiles were far off. And because they were far off, they were without hope and they were, they were without God in the world. And sometimes we can recognize that division between our cultures as well, can't we? Even, uh, even between those of us who are English and those of us who are American, uh, there's a big difference in our cultures. It's sometimes said that we're, in, we're nations divided by a common language. And so we see even like those of us whose natural language is the same, this division. And there's difference between all the cultures here. And so often, even personally, we can see that our lives in our world can feel hopeless, can feel, Eunice said, far away from God. But what does Paul say? Paul says there is a way to bring peace between these two cultures, between the Jews and the Gentiles. There is a way of there being a unity that celebrates Our diversity of origins, like Lola was saying. The diversity of gifts, of roles that we have and are given to play in service of God. There is an offer of hope. And it's in Jesus, Paul says, that there is an offer of hope. That the Gentiles could find God in the world a hope of one day being with God, with people from every nation, every tribe and tongue bending the knee to worship him. This isn't, this isn't something we can create in our own power. It requires Jesus coming into the world for this peace to come, for this unity between the Jews and the Gentiles to come. Only, Paul says, as we are brought near to each other and brought near to God through Jesus, through Jesus' death on the cross on Good Friday and his resurrection again on Easter Sunday, do we see this peace. And so Paul says we become in Christ one people, one body, one nation through the cross We're no longer aliens or foreigners or strangers. And not just now between Jew and Gentile. We're no longer aliens or foreigners or strangers between God and ourselves. There is a way for us to be united with God, reconciled with God, despite our rebellion against him, despite our turning our backs on him, despite our not acknowledging him as God. So this peace, this positive blessing, it's beyond an absence of conflict. It's beyond that. The wall here is broken down. That wall is broken down. We can come all together to worship the law of commandments that we could never follow fully, that we could never um, live up to, the standard of, that's there to show us some of God's character an indication of God's character, but we could never match. That's now not the way to God. It's in Jesus. It's in Jesus saving us, saving me, saving you from our rebellion against him. And so Paul says that there's a citizenship there for us. The passports that we carry define our physical citizenship. Mine says that I'm a British citizen. Yours will say something different, probably. The Bible here tells us that as Jesus builds this new kingdom, this new people, we who accept him and follow him gain a new citizenship, an overriding citizenship. It's more important for me to be a citizen in God's kingdom than it is for me to carry a British passport. One of those things will fail and fade, and it's the British passport. It's not citizenship in God's kingdom. And so as God, as God is building this people, God builds it, and Jesus makes sense of this new people as the, as the cornerstone, Paul says. Now, I'm not a, not a builder or an architect, but a cornerstone is the stone that goes in the corner of a wall. It makes sense of the line of the wall. And so it sets it up and it gives direction to the wall. Or you might think of a keystone in an arch, that centerpiece that holds everything together. Jesus makes sense of this new people that God is building together. And as God builds his people, he builds a place of worship. Together, a new temple. So, the Jews who might have read this might have thought of the temple that was there in Jerusalem. The Ephesians, who Paul is writing to, might have thought of the um, temple to the Greek god Artemis that was in the city of Ephesus. But Paul says, together, at peace with God and each other because of Christ, we who are citizens of the kingdom of God are the dwelling place. Of God, through the Holy Spirit. So maybe this morning, this is the first time you're you're hearing about this. You're, maybe this is the first time you're hearing about Jesus. And if it is, and you'd like to know uh, what it means in more detail to become a citizen of the Kingdom of God, then please come and talk to me or to Jason afterwards great we'd love to have that opportunity to talk to you more because although Paul says we're united there are still two kinds of people in this passage at the end of the passage those who are citizens of the kingdom of God those who follow Jesus those who are part of the kingdom and those who are still separated from Christ those who are still far off those who are still without God and without hope in the world. So if you haven't become a citizen of the kingdom of God this morning, there's a challenge to you. But what about for those of us who have? What about for those of us who um, are here week by week, for who we know that we carry that passport of the kingdom of God? If we've responded to Jesus before, This gives us a picture of what we're supposed to be as a people of God. We are called to be united. We're called to be reconciled. We're called to be united with God and we're called to be reconciled to God. And then we're called to be united with each other and reconciled to each other. Because in Jesus' death and resurrection, we've been reconciled by Jesus with God and with each other. And so this morning, if we have broken relationships with each other, we should look to the example of the reconciled relationship between us and God through Jesus. Recognize the truth of what Jesus has done for us and ask him for his help in forgiveness and reconciliation with each other here today. We sang earlier, "Oh, how good it is when the family of God dwells in spirit and unity." And uh, in 10 to 10 this morning we were reading one Timothy, and in chapter two, Paul says, "Be without anger and without quarreling." And as we grow more in our unity together, and in our um, being united with each other, as we serve as we row that boat of the church together as mccabe was talking about i loved that picture of of everybody getting in and pulling on the oars together and serving together it was great as we do that united in our love for jesus our love for god and in our growing love for each other then jesus says that's how the world the rest of the world will know in our love for each other our love for him that we are his disciples, that we are his followers, that we carry that passport of the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you um, that this morning we've been able to celebrate um, the amazing diversity of the people who are part of your kingdom. And Father, I thank you that no matter where we've come from this morning, which corner of the earth you called us to go away from, that in Jesus we are united as your people. Father, for those of us who follow you and follow Jesus, those of us who have been reconciled with you through Jesus, we... uh, we are passport holders of the kingdom of God, the household of God. And Lord, I just pray that if anybody here has not made a decision to follow Jesus, Lord, that this morning, this celebration of your kingdom and the diversity of your kingdom, the words we've sung and the words we've read, would um, you would speak to them and that they would come to know you, Jesus. And Father, I pray for those of us here who are part of your family, part of your kingdom. Lord, I pray that we would be united. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see where we aren't united. And Lord, I pray that you would bring your peace to those situations. Lord, I pray you would bring your spirit of healing to broken relationships or damaged relationships in our church family. And Lord, I pray that you would you would build up those relationships and you would build us up into a people who love you and through loving you, love each other. And through our love for you and for each other, show your love to the rest of the world, Lord. Amen.